So about, well, last July, I was standing right there, and Dennis was looking around the room and talking lightly to us. And, uh, and I made a comment, and he said something to me to the effect of, have you ever given a sermon before? And I said, well, I have been in front of people, and I have talked. And All right, he said, then you're on board, he goes. <laughs> so when he asked the question, have you ever given a sermon before, Kent was standing next to him, and he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kent comes to uh, the small group that we have on Wednesday nights at our house, uh, along with a few other folks. Um, Behind Kent at that moment was my daughter, Erin, and she's like, yeah, he's giving sermons. So, <laughs> all right, so with all that highly qualified uh, backing, let's get into it. We're going to look at three scriptures this morning. Um, the Lord's been working with us. When, when Dennis spoke to, to me that day, we were just starting to get ramped up for the small group, and we happen to be on chapter 15 of John. So let's take a look. John 15, 1 and 2, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. Isaiah 5, 1 through 6, let me sing now for my well-beloved, a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill, and he dug it all around, removed its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine, and he built a tower in the middle of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done for it? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? So now let me tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed. I will break down its wall, and it will become trampled ground. I will lay, I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come up. And I will charge the clouds to rain no more rain on it. And then finally, Genesis 2, 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As I said, we're in the Gospel of John right now, and, and this first two verses struck me because, for one thing, my life is grounds. I've been working at a private school for the last 30 years, and uh, I'm the, man, the assistant manager of the grounds right now. And I've come up through the ranks, and, and we do this kind of stuff. We do planting and growing, and I have some knowledge uh, of grounds and landscape. Uh, we're a fairly large private school in Wallingford. You may have heard of Choate. It's about 350 acres. Uh, I run a crew of six guys. We, um, we do everything from ball field prep to uh, pruning to mowing. So it's fun. I get to play with toys. We get, the, we get these big mowers. They cost thousands of dollars, and it's fun to play there. But uh, the Lord's been good to me there, and uh, he's worked with me there. 
But the reason why I chose these three um, scriptures is because if I were to ask you this question, what are the names of, of God? What are the names of Jesus? There's a song that goes on and on about, you know, maker, creator, et cetera, et cetera. But does it ever say gardener? Would you say Jesus is a gardener? And yet so much of scripture has to do with growing and planting and thorns and briars. Well, let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the creator. We thank you, Lord, that you have established in this world your presence. And Lord, we just pray that you open up your word to us this morning, that you, you bring to it, Lord, life. And through the spirit, you might open up some hearts and uh, pour in your spirit. Touch us, Lord, by these uh, scriptures this morning and, uh, and be a blessing to us this, this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, how many of you have a garden? How many? Come on, come on. No, not as many as I thought. All right, what's your, what's your, what, do you, what do you grow? Broccoli. I like broccoli. Broccoli's good. What do you grow? Here's the deal. My small group, you can ask these guys. It's all based on questions. Jim's smiling at me. It has to do with questions. So I ask the questions, you throw out answers, and I'll tell you if they're right or wrong. Okay? All right. What else do you grow? Who else? Everybody grow tomatoes? Weeds? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Flowers? Okay. Poison ivy. Anybody else? Anything exotic? Jalapeno. Nice. Hot stuff. All right. Do you have one favorite? Do you have anything? Everybody, you know, this is my tomato. No? You, you brag about your garden? You invite people into your garden? No? Okay. All right. I won't put you on this spot. All right. Um, what do you know about the Garden of Eden? Lush. Okay. I'm patient, so I will wait for you to answer. <laughs> you will find that out. What do you know about the Garden of Eden? How many trees were in the Garden of Eden? I like that. It was a trick question, so that's a good answer. All of them. <laughs> that's right. Uh, in this scripture that we read, uh, it says that uh, the tree of life and the, um, the tree of knowledge were in the midst of the garden. So it's kind of a trick question. We know of these two trees, but obviously all trees originated from the garden. The, the garden was a very special place, amazing place. I had the opportunity to teach Genesis about, I don't know, five years ago, and we had a lot of fun with the Garden of Eden. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there, um, but the energy that was in the garden. The beauty that was in the garden was amazing. Um, and we got into some crazy things. Why, why do we have, why are people vegetarians? And I believe it goes back to the garden. It's kind of like where we come from. And, uh, and I was sharing this in the, in the group I was teaching a few years ago. And, and I'm like, why am I talking about vegetarians? What, what's that all about? And at the end, somebody came up and said, we're struggling with our daughter who, who is a vegetarian. So, it, it, you know, the Lord has something for all of us in each of these places. But um, the other interesting thing that we got into was um, that whole nakedness business. 
with uh, Adam and Eve, and we talked about what that means. And if you have a chance, if you know who Oswald Chambers is, he does a very, very uh, good exposition on uh, in one of his his um, devotions on what it meant to be naked in the garden. And it basically has to do with self-consciousness and how that was first time in their lives that Adam and Eve were not conscious of God. They were self-conscious. And of course, they lost the, the glory of the Lord because of their decision. Um, so there, there's some wonderful, wonderful stuff that you can get into in the garden. Um, so where are we going with this? Um, if you take a look back, let me see if I can do this. We're going to jump back to John 15. And he says something very, John, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Very, very, very intimate moment between uh, Jesus and his disciples. He's, he's preparing them for the end. He's, he's getting them ready. And, and uh, they're, he's teaching them and he's trying to bring them along. And he says something very interesting. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, my father takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he does what to it? He prunes it. I would think it'd be the other way around. The branches he doesn't bear fruit, he would prune. But, but those are taken away. And instead, the ones that bear fruit are uh, pruned. That took me back to... Isaiah 5, 1 through 6. Now, this is a, is a wonderful song that is sung. Uh, we had, uh, Debbie and I had a, an album called The Wailing Wall. They were uh, Messianic Jews back in the 70s, and they sang this song, and I, I still love it. It's, it's a very Jewish, very neat song. It's about Israel, and it's about Israel falling away from the Lord. And he goes on and on, and he talks about what he's done for his vineyard, but he gets down here to the end, and this is what caught my eye. He says, and I will lay waste in the last verse. It will not be pruned or hoed. And there's that, that pruning word again. In, in John, the word in some translations is translated cleansed. But there's a cleansing with pruning. Uh, for Israel, he stops pruning them. For his disciples, he says, I will prune them. So that's what I'd like to take a look at this morning. Do any of you do any pruning? Yeah, wait, wait. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> what do you prune? Louder? Trees, yep. Roses, yeah, those are fun. Shrubs. Anything that gets in your way. <laughs> you know, what's the definition of a weed? Anybody know what the definition of a weed is? Exactly. A weed is anything that grows where you don't want it to. So one man's weed could be another man's uh, jalapeno peppers. All right. Okay. I've got to warn you. Um, I, like I said, I'm a groundsman. I've been a groundsman for 30 years. I go to conferences. We go to one in Hartford, uh, the Connecticut Groundskeepers Association. It's a wonderful conference. It's a day-long event. Uh, about a month from now, I'll be going to the Aqua Turf Club. I don't know if you've ever been there. They have terrible food. Don't ever go there. And, uh, and what it is is to, uh, yeah, that was a joke. Um, but I've always wanted to do a conference. So welcome. This is a grounds conference. Um, 
And we're going to talk about pruning today. All right? So I looked up the word pruning. I have this book. Actually, I don't have this book. Debbie, my wife, and I both graduated with the same degree from UConn. And she got this book. Is that right, Deb? From University of Connecticut. It's called Wyman's Gardening Encyclopedia. And if you look up pruning in Wyman's, this is what you read. And, and think of this in a spiritual way. I know this is a grounds conference, but think of the spiritual implications while I read it to you. Wyman's Gardening Encyclopedia, a little knowledge of what to prune and how to do it goes a very long way in assisting plants to grow in a well-balanced specimen which prove an asset in any garden. And you could fill in the words for church, for your walk in the Lord there. Um, it's very interesting. Now, what to prune? And Wyman lists nine things uh, in his book of what to prune. Number one is dead and broken or diseased uh, limbs, plants. Number two is broken roots and one-third of the branches at transplanting time. Number three, young trees should be pruned early. You know any scripture for that? Um, number four, correct structural defects. Uh, a lot of branching, crotches and things. We have these trees we've planted at Choke called Bradford pears. And they're just notorious. When they mature, they just drop their limbs. They, all of a sudden, a limb that big will just break on a nice, sunny, calm day because they have weak structural uh, branching. Cut suckers from the bases of grafted or budded plants. Rejuvenate old shrubs. Hedges, screens, and windbreaks should be pruned. Uh, certain limbs should be pruned for utility purposes. And, of course, girdling roots. Do you know what a girdling root is? Wayne's got some experience. Go ahead, Wayne. Exactly. It's a healthy root. Um, and a lot of times the containers that they're grown in in the nursery have roots that are in the pots. And when you take them out of that pot and you plant them, that root continues on its journey around the tree. And as it matures, it actually chokes the tree and kills it. I don't really know of a scriptural reference for that. Last night, I spent some time looking at these, looking up scripture, and the Lord said, stop it. Knock it off. You're getting crazy. So, um, all right. All of these things have to do with a cutting away, a thinning out, and the removal of unwanted. Pruning always deals with your will. When Jesus comes and he prunes you, it always deals with your will. Have you ever been pruned? Have you ever felt God pruning you? I've had four major prunings in my life. Um, I'm sure there are many more, but there are four that, that are unforgettable. Um, the first major one occurred when I was about 14 years old. I was growing up in the North Country in New York in the Adirondacks. And uh, I was in eighth grade, about to enter ninth grade. And if you know those years, you know how important it is to go from junior high to high school. And I couldn't wait to get there. And one of the things, I love sports. My family will tell you that. I love to play games. Uh, I'm a good dog. You throw the ball, I'll go get it. I'll bring it back to you. And uh, I love doing that even today. And 
And I couldn't wait to get into high school to play football. I was going to play basketball in the, in the, the winter, and I, I was looking forward to playing lacrosse in the spring. And all of a sudden, my mom walked in and said, uh, we're moving to Milford. We're, we're, we're leaving. Uh, my dad had died a couple years before from cancer, and, um, and she had family in Connecticut, and it was time to go. And, and it was crushing. It hurt. Uh, pruning always hurts. You'll know when you're pruned. You feel the pain. Um, all my dreams were, were, were evaporating. I was going from a town of roughly 2,500 to a town of 50,000 people, and I was scared. Uh, I was intimidated. A small high school to a, a very large high school. And I did play sports in Milford, but it wasn't so much the sports. It wasn't so much. It was the fact that my will, I had a will, and that will was to go to high school and to play these sports. And all of a sudden, through circumstances, and it, it was after I became a Christian, the Lord showed me that was his will for me was to take me out of the New York State area and bring me down to Connecticut. It was hard. It was difficult. I got sick when we, uh, when we arrived in Milford, and they, they took me to the emergency room. I, I had lots of problems. And, uh, and the doctor said to my mom, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just brokenhearted. So he took me home, and my, my brother walked in, and as brothers do, he looked at me and he said, you know, only you can get better because you have to want to get better. And I, I must have heard it somewhere because within a day or two, I was back on my feet and getting on with it. So that was the first one. The, the second one was uh, after high school, in college, uh, the Lord started knocking on my door. I was very independent, very self-willed, and, uh, and Jesus came knocking, and I was not happy. Again, he was dealing with my will. He came in, and uh, I was in. We were. I ended up in a small group. I could feel the spirit of God in the room, and um, and I got angry. My reaction to Jesus was anger, because the spirit was calling me, and I knew that I had to change. Not so much bad behavior or anything, but that my will. Would, would change. It, would, it was being affected. That was the second pruning. The third is actually, not all pruning is bad. And, and uh, you might find this interesting, but the third pruning that occurred in my life was my marriage to, to Debbie. That was a willful pruning because when you get married, you have to change. Marriage is good. Children are good. A job is good. What does a job do to you? It makes you get up every morning. You wouldn't get up otherwise. What does a, a, a wife do? You're now responsible. It's, it's a willful pruning, and it's a positive one. It's a good one. Um, you have to change your focus. I've seen it with my son, Ben, and he's been wonderful at it. Uh, he's a wonderful husband and father, and it's a joy to see it. The fourth one and the last one I'll talk about is about seven years ago, uh, after 24 years of service at Choate, um, the human resources called and said, we need to talk to you in the office. And, uh, and there have been rumors. They've been talking about laying people off. At the time, I was doing uh, purchasing and uh, compliance for Choate, and uh, they decided to do away with the position. 
Um, there was more in my life going on at the time than just that. Um, it gets complicated. I won't bore you with it. But the Lord used that moment to, to shake the tree, so to speak. He cut some serious limbs off. You know, the longer you let limbs grow, the bigger they get. Um, these are, oh, go back. There we go. Uh, here's how to prune from Wyman's. Wyman's lists up to seven methods in his encyclopedia, including make all cuts clean with sharp tools. Never leave any stubs. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that stubs lead to bitterness. When you have a stub out there that's not dealt with properly, when it's not cut by the Lord, as that first statement says, nice and clean by his spirit, and you have a stub, there's some bitterness in your life. And, uh, and the Lord needs to deal with it. Disin- I love this. Disinfect tools after each cut on diseased plants. Just good hygiene. All right? All part of it. Uh, here are some of the tools. I don't know if you recognize them. We've got Felcro pruners. This is a wolf garden uh, handsaw that can attach to a, a pole. It's good for limbing trees so mowers can get under them. Of course, a chainsaw is for those big, heavy limbs that uh, grow too big and are finally have to go. And, and then power pruners. And, uh, and these are hand pruners here. Anybody know what this is? What was that? A sore thumb, somebody said? No. And then I heard green thumb over here. Do you know what a green thumb is? Good luck in getting things to grow. There's, there's some truth in that. Um, a, what a green thumb is, is um, a good vineyardman, a vine dresser, will go around and knows which buds are good and which are not. So as the plant grows from a small plant into a larger plant, he can take his thumb and go and snip off any buds or any growth that he wants to shape that, that vine in or that shrub in. So it's very practical. There's a, there's, a, um, there's a botany teacher at Choate. He's an Englishman, and uh, he... he Wonderful gardens. He does butterfly gardens on campus. He's a, a, the perennial man on campus. He is incredible. You would love his stuff. When he was young, his, his mom was a, is, still is a horticulturalist in England. And uh, they would go someplace to a garden to look at something. And he would grow his thumbnail long. He wouldn't cut it. And she would just nod at a plant. And Ian would go over and using his thumb go and pocket the cutting and bring it back. <laughs> now, this is a disease. I, I live with one. Uh, I, am not, uh, I am not a master gardener. I'm a, I'm a pretty good grounds uh, assistant manager. I'm a pretty good, uh, you know, supervisor. It, it's a big campus. But if you want to talk gardening, talk to my wife, Debbie. She is, she is the gardener in the house. She has specimens and uh, wonderful stuff. They all came in two week, this past week because of the frost, and now our house is full of greenery. Uh, but it's all good. All right, being laid off uh, after 24 years of service, the, the Lord dealt with me uh, very, very severely. They gave me a choice. They said, uh, you can sign these papers and leave, or you can go back and take an assistant uh, grounds position on the grounds they showed out. Like I said, I was doing compliance and purchasing at the time. 
but they, they allowed me to go back and work under somebody who previously worked for me, uh, which was also a pruning. But the Lord showed me a lot in it. He, showed, he gave me a word out of Peter. It was called sober. He, uh, he showed me that uh, my opinion really doesn't matter. It's not my opinion that's important. Uh, my opinion had gotten really, really big. Uh, I thought I knew everything. I thought the place was called Jeff Rosemary Hall, not Choate Rosemary Hall. That was a big, big lesson. Um, he, he, he pruned me hard, and, and I praise him for it. I thank him for it. Um, I was growing in areas I should not have grown, and, uh, and they were not of him. And, uh, and because of that, we can talk about pruning today. All right. So how does Jesus prune us? We're going to take a look at Hebrews 9, 14. There he says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who the eternal, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Remember I said pruning in the, in the Greek, the root is cleansing. So what we have here is the Lord cleansing us from dead works. Why? So that we can serve the living God. The key is found in Romans 8, 28, and this is very important. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. You've probably heard that one before. How many things does God work together? It says here he works all things together. So that means the good things and the bad things. Sean spoke earlier about uh, one of his songs he sang because some of the troubles the Lord puts us through, we find out are for our good later on. But there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that comes into our lives that he doesn't have his hand on us. He isn't working it. So the flat tire on the way to work, the, um, the guy that annoys you uh, on the highway or at, or at work or, or some other venue uh, is all there for us so that we can grow. And that's his pruning process. When he starts to agitate your spirit and he starts to, to get into you, um, that's his will. That's his working in you. And it's time to pay attention. What are you doing here, Lord? What's going on? And it was this scripture that got me through those prunings that I went through. If I didn't know his hand uh, was on me at the time that I got laid off from Cho and then reinstated, I would have seen it uh, for negative ways, and I could not have responded to it. But I saw it as his hand. As much as Cho had everything to do with it, it was God who, who caused the pruning at that time. All right, as I said before, pruning always hurts. When Jesus is in your life and he's pruning you, it always hurts. It did not hurt. If it did not hurt, it would continue to grow. Um, I think it's Watchman Nee said, beware the Christian who doesn't limp. It's, we go through these trials. It's for a purpose. And if there was no pain in it, you would go back to doing it. It's as simple as that. If you sprain your ankle, 
You're not going to put pressure on it anymore. When you get hurt, it's God who does the hurting, but it's for our good. All right, let's take a look at uh, Galatians 3.15. You were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, Take care lest you be consumed by one another. Oh, back. Did I go too far? All right, let's try it. Okay, good. This is, uh, this is our apple tree in our yard. This is a very significant apple. It's the only one on the tree. <laughs> the, the, the tree would, would fill this space up here. It's a mature tree. It's been around. Debbie's covering her face. She's embarrassed. Uh, it's a Cortland, and, uh, and I don't spray it. You know, apple trees need to be sprayed. They need to be pruned. I don't prune it like I should. Uh, I love the tree. It's a good uh, shade tree. It's a good break in our yard. But that's our one, our one Cortland apple, and we pick it every year, and we get a knife, and we share it. it it's very <laughs> special. Um, so what is fruit? What is the fruit that God is looking for? Why does he prune you? To produce fruit. Well, like I said, uh, Galatians 4, 13 through 15 says, You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. This is the, the fruit. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then it goes on to say, But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, think about this. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The pruning is done so that you can fulfill that, that one law. Now, what about all the other laws? How many commandments are there? Sunday school, it's a test. Ten, very good. Well said. There's 10 commandments, but yet Jesus, or Paul, I should say, through the Spirit, is telling the Galatians that all of those are fulfilled in this one law. How can that be? How can it be? Well, for one thing, all the other laws are fulfilled by Jesus in his righteousness. They're not fulfilled by us. They're fulfilled by Jesus. And he even fulfills this one through us. But this is the one that we can partake in. This is the one from where we sit, we can actually uh, exhibit. Outside the walls is an example, but it goes beyond that. It should be daily. It should be every day. And trust me, I fail in this all the time, reaching out to someone who needs it, to have a, a kind word for them, put your arm around them, just to pray for them, even if they don't know about it. Um, are all ways in which we can reach out to our neighbor. Ed spoke a little bit about that earlier. You know, wonderful fruit, excellent fruit. Because by his spirit, it is the one thing that we can partake in and we can do. It is the fruit that comes after pruning. All right, 
let's start to wrap this up. I have three rules for pruning. First rule in the garden. Now, we're, we're back in the vineyard now. We're back in the vine. The vine dresser's coming around, and he's pruning. But I have three rules for the vines. By the way, you guys are the vines. Do not prune others. Do not mess with other trees. This is called judgment. There are some exceptions. Parents are an exception. They, they have to prune their kids. They're called to do it. Uh, teachers would be, and, and there may be other areas, but when it comes vine to vine in the fellowship, don't mess with the other trees. This is what I learned in my last pruning. I, I was quick to prune others. I, had a, I was mouthy. I think I thought I knew it all. I thought I knew where people belonged and what they should be doing. We're talking about the organization of Choke. And, uh, and I went beyond what God wanted me to do. He has since uh, caused me to shut my mouth a lot more. I, I probably still don't do it enough. But he has, he has trimmed that part of me severely. Uh, don't prune others, both Christians and non-Christians. We're, we're quick to judge, and that's what this is. Um, if you're in the vineyard, Remember, Joel spoke last week about being in the kingdom. It's the same thing. Don't prune others. Put away your tools. Wait for the vine dresser. He will come. He belongs to them. My second rule, perhaps even more important than the first, do not prune yourself. You don't know how. Remember John 15 if you can go back there. John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. We, we like to prune ourselves. We're tough on ourselves. Um, somehow we think that we can, uh, we can make ourselves better. A couple weeks ago, I shared in our group, I got up at four in the morning. I went to bed one night and I said, Holy Spirit, if you want me to wake up early and do some work on, on the study, uh, wake me up at 4 a.m. So he did. 4 a.m., bink. I was like, I remember what I prayed. I said, okay, I guess I better get up. So I got up. But, and it was, it was a nice time. It wasn't, there were no, the trees didn't sing. The sun didn't come out at 4 a.m. It was still early, and I was still tired. Um, did the Lord bless me because of it? He may have. But the point is, is I can't manufacture his righteousness in me. Only he can do that. And when you prune yourself, you don't have a good perspective. When, from where you see it, you see your weaknesses. Let me read a couple of quotes um, from Paul on this subject because he lends some credence to what I'm trying to say. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep from exalting myself, there were given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this... 
I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He wanted a pruning. He wanted it to be pruned out. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. It's the other part of pruning. If you start listening to people differently, you start hearing them differently, they're not offending you anymore because you're just one of the vines and you know the vine dresser will come and you can trust that. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 through 5, again, Paul is speaking. First Corinthians 4, 2 through 5. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. He's the vine dresser. I am conscious of nothing. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And each men's praise will come to him from God. Let the vine dresser work on you. Don't prune yourself. And then finally, the last one is do not take ownership of the master's garden. Okay. Well, anyways, in Isaiah, um, verse 4, he says, what more was there to do for my vineyard? And if we can, let's try and get that up there. Can we get that, Wes? The Isaiah, thank you. Let me read to you again what he says. He says, let me sing now for my well-beloved, a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. Now listen to what he does for the vineyard. This is the master vine dresser. My well-beloved, that's Jesus, had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it all around. He removed its stones. He planted it with the choicest vines. He built a tower in the middle of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. Oh, now and, and now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? It's not our vineyard. The vineyard belongs to Jesus. Sometimes we take ownership of things. I took ownership of Choate in areas I had no business taking ownership. I thought being there 24 years, I had knowledge and insights that other people didn't have. But you know, the person that was hired in my 23rd year had just as much knowledge as I had. But because somehow I thought like a good Pharisee that I had been there long enough to earn more opinion than somebody walking in the door the first day. And the Lord had to prune that out. He showed me it wasn't my vineyard. 
It's his vineyard. Very, very important. If you want freedom in Jesus, start giving him the praise and glory. Don't take ownership of his vineyard. Don't prune others. And most of all, don't prune yourself. I want to go back as a conclusion to um, John, the John verse 15, 1 and 2. After these two verses in the, in the, in the chapter, Jesus goes on to give nine abides to his people. In order to be properly pruned, you have to abide in Jesus. You know, if you're a tree and I come by to prune you, but you're not there one day, you're over there, well, the reason I came to prune you is changed. If the vines keep moving around, and I don't mean physically, but in your hearts, you have to stay still. It says, be still and know that I am God. You have to to be a well-pruned vine. Stay where you are. Abide in Jesus. Abide in his love. Abide in his commandments. Stay in there. Abide means to make your abode in, to live there. Don't try to be someone that you're not. Be who you are. Don't keep moving around. Rest in him. Finally, last word for you is that pruning is not about sin. Pruning is not about sin. Now, I know it's the cutting out of unwanted branches, things growing in the wrong direction, but that's our perspective, and we are about sin. We're born in it. We grow up in it. We think in it. It's hard to see out of it. But from the vine, the, the vine dresser's perspective, pruning is about love. It's about the master gardener working with his most precious plants. That's you guys. That's us feeding, caring, pruning them so that they produce fruit. Pruning is a deep, intimate relationship between Jesus and you. He absolutely loves his garden. He loves his exotic specimens, each of you. And I bet he even loves talking about his garden. You're very, very, very special in Christ. He's planted you where he has you for a reason, whether it's in your family, your job, your church, wherever you find yourself. He comes as the gardener does, and he's very, very careful with his plants. I see it in my wife. She, she loves her plants. We were walking in a grocery store last week. She saw two plants on the shelf. She was like, I'm like, come on, you've got enough. Jesus never has enough plants. He loves his plants, and he, he wants to shape them and make them exactly, and then produce fruit with them. That little tiny apple on that tree is all it takes. doesn't have to be a big bushel full. You know, we get a little competitive as Christians about who does what and how you do it and the extent of it. But it's really only one little thing that God wants from us. So you got your seminar. Thanks for coming. You can get a pen and a packet as you go out the door. And don't forget to get your credits. We, we give out credits for your DEP license, okay? All right. Thank you for, for listening to me. And, uh, and I pray that uh, the Lord bless you. Let's pray right now as we go. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your garden, Lord. Thank you that you cause things to grow, that you expect things to grow, Lord, and that you, uh, 
you place us, you transplant us, you prep us, and you, and you expect fruit, Jesus. And you, Lord, you will cause it to come forth. All we have to do is abide. So I pray, Lord, as we go forth, you, um, you continue to grow us into what you would have us be and that you bless everyone this morning who is here. And we especially lift up Dennis to you as he comes home from Europe and you prepare him, Lord, for arriving in Connecticut and his new house. And we thank you for him, Jesus. And we thank you for the love that's in this place and the fruit that's in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.